This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. In 2008, a podcast was created with one goal. To bring Bat fans around the world news related to movies, comics, video games, television, merchandise, and so much more. And now, the Batman Universe Podcast has returned. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the TVU Podcast. I'm Dustin and with me today is BJ, Adel, and Scott. And we were talking about what else, the big news of the week, which is the cancellation of the Batgirl film. Now this comes as a surprise to a degree. Um, We have talked about this film briefly on a variety of other episodes. And one of the things that constantly comes up is why is this film happening in the first place? What's the purpose behind it? We're kind of confused as to what's happening with it, why it's happening, and things like that. Those are questions we've asked in the past. Now, it was announced just... uh, So this is, in some ways, late-breaking news because we're recording this episode later than we were going to. And we originally were planning on uh, discussing the the Zack Snyder controversy that we have been saying we're going to talk about for a couple of weeks now, and now we're just going to push that... A little bit further back because this is a little bit more uh, pressing news that needs to be discussed. Um, and I'm going to be on vacation next week, so we've got a special interview that I'll talk about later that'll be coming next week, and then we'll be back. And as long as nothing big comes up um, that could change everything yet again, uh, but who knows what could happen? Uh, the Zack Snyder controversy is just going to get pushed back until whenever we don't have news. And we have uh, we have the time to do it. So that said, um, we were supposed to record yesterday, which uh, behind the scenes was Tuesday. And before we record, which we typically record in the evenings here in the America time zones um, or North America time zones, the there was some news that came out that said that this was originally broke by the New York Post. And it was basically that the Batgirl film was so irredeemable that the movie is getting completely shelved and they're eating the cost of a $70 million price tag. Now, what's interesting from the original post is that it specifically states it's because the film is horrible. Um, However, that's not actually what's going on and it seems to be very much farther from that than I think that the original writer of the article was trying to perceive. Um, the film was screened earlier earlier this year, and a lot of the special effects were placeholder special effects, the people who saw the film. I remember hearing things about the film, and it was getting you know, like good, good praise. Not like this is an amazing film, but it wasn't like it's a train wreck. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a dumpster fire. Just let it burn. We don't want to ever see this. That wasn't the case at all. It was the film had a good story. The, the film was, you know, the, the actors who were in the film were doing a great job. Um, there really wasn't a whole lot of horrible situations related to the film that people were talking about based off of those screenings. So it's not that the film was irredeemable. However, it goes back to, like I said, the conversations we were having last year when we were talking about what is the reason for this movie existing. Um, for the information that we know, they cast Batgirl, um, and th- this has nothing to do with anything, but it gets brought up in a bunch of these articles for some reason. The actress is a Latina who is playing Batgirl, Leslie Grace. Not that that has anything to do with it, but I know that some articles are making are, are, are focusing on that and saying, "Well, this is a this was the possibility of a Hispanic um, a- uh, actress playing a role, and that's one of the reasons this is getting canceled, or it's something against." 
you know, um, Hispanics in general because it's getting canceled. And I don't think it has anything to do with that. I personally don't think that has anything to do with it. The film had J.K. Simmons reprising his role of uh, Commissioner Gordon or James Gordon. However, we're not sure what universe this was taking place in because J.K. Simmons was originally in the Zack Snyder Justice League Snyderverse, and we don't know how that carries over. The Batman that was supposed to appear in this film was played by Michael Keaton. There was no talk about Ben Affleck reprising his role as Batman in this, which obviously there's a disconnect there because if Michael Keaton's playing Batman and it's not going to be Ben Affleck, then how is an actor who was originally playing the same role in a different universe taking place? And the problem is that I think a lot of this would have been answered by the Flash film releasing prior to this because Michael Keaton would have been reintroduced. The film would have had an explanation of the multiverse and different versions of characters and things like that. And that's how this film could have existed. Um, the film was originally originally uh, greenlit as an uh, HBO Max original film that would release exclusively on HBO Max, not theatrical in any way, shape, or form. And it would have around a $70 million budget, which was pretty big for a lot of the films that were at the time coming out for HBO Max, because most of the films that have come out to this point have been very, very low budgets. We're talking like less than $20 million to make. So this is by far one of the biggest films that the service had on its slate. Um, there's so, so it was originally supposed to be HBO Max. After the initial screenings, there was some rumors around Hollywood that the film was almost there was there was a feeling amongst the studio that the film was too big to be just on the streaming service however due to its price tag of around 70 million it really couldn't compete with like tent poles marvel films that are releasing you know on a you know on a regular basis over in theaters so the issue was what do you do with a film that is too big for a streaming service whether it's too big just because of the scale or whether it's too big because of the price tag what do you do with that when you can't actually release it in theaters and expect to have as big of a return? One of the big questions that a lot of, or a lot of, a lot of the 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 big question that I think a lot of people ask when this happens is: if a film only costs seventy million dollars to make, how in the world do you not release it in theaters if you know a film could walk away with three hundred million dollars? Because the issue is that a lot of people don't account the marketing. When you put a film in theaters, you have to make roughly two and a half times its budget to be profitable. And that's because the film has to spend a lot of money marketing. And also the other side of it is that the when the film is in theaters, the theaters take a portion of the box office as well for themselves. And the studio only gets a portion of the box office as well. So if a film sells, uh, you know, is in the box office and makes a billion dollars, the studio doesn't walk away with a billion dollars. Um, they just don't. So they have to make a significant amount of money to be able to do that. Um, so there, that's that. That was the issue with the Batgirl film. So leading up to the news yesterday, that's where we were at. Now we raised our concerns on what was going on with this movie, how this was going to happen. Um, the last bit of news I believe that was ever discussed was when they changed the slate of all the DC films and they shifted the films around. Flash went from November of 2022, shifted to June of 2023. We had Shazam move up from March 2023 to December, and Aquaman took its slot in March of 2023. The Batgirl film, which was originally supposed to release in December, was kind of up in the air where nobody knew when it was going to release. My thought process was that the film wasn't going to release until after the Flash film because it just didn't make any sense for Michael Keaton to come back as Batman before we see him return in the Flash. That just didn't make a lot of sense. So... Leading up to the announcement of the film being canceled, I want to just get a refresher on what you guys thought about each one, each the, the film itself, where it stood within the larger slate of DC films at the time. Sorry, just to clarify how we feel about it, or yeah, like what what was your feelings of the movie in general? Everything we've heard up to yesterday, what did you I... feel? How did you feel? Did you feel like it was going to be? A success? Did you have too many questions to, or too many doubts about whether or not it could be a success? That kind of thing. Um, I mean, admittedly, I 
was looking forward to it overall. I didn't think it was going to blow my mind. Like, you know, let's slow my roll a little bit. Like, I'm not going into this thinking this is going to be the greatest movie ever. But I was kind of hoping for a more, you know, downscaled, personal, like, superhero movie that's kind of like mid-range. You know, it had a really interesting cast. I think that was probably the biggest draw factor is... Like, you have Leslie Grace's Batgirl, but you have Michael Keaton as Batman, which will be kind of a fun little nostalgic trip. But, you know, and then J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon, and while he barely played Commissioner Gordon in any of the previous movies, he was... Inter- I would like to see more of it. Like, I, I wanted more of him in that role. And then, um, you know, I think the real important one, I thought, like, the most interesting one was Brendan Fraser as Firefly, which, you know, is an interesting pick. You know, he... I would like to see him do this kind of a serious villain role. I don't, you know, I think that would be really exciting and interesting. And then, you know, I feel like there's a certain nostalgic sentiment that comes with seeing Brendan Fraser back again. And, you know, some kind of, you know, even if it's not like a 200, $300 million blockbuster, some kind of action vehicle, you know, and like the price tag thing, I know like a lot of people get hooked up in, on it. And, you know, I know for the MCU, it's normal to blow like $300 million on like a CGI fest that, you know, and that's fine, but like you have other franchises where some of them are action intensive, like the John Wick franchise, where that's not normal. You know, it's more in between like the 50 to 70 or 80 million dollar range, and that's kind of how they make them. Granted, slightly different audience, but you know, that wasn't, you know, I guess ultimately I was looking for something that was just hit like a mid bar. You know, if there was more to it with the story, you know, great. You know, because DC also made um, Joker, which was a much cheaper movie. And, you know, it was kind of its own thing. And it turned out to make over a billion dollars, surprisingly. So, yeah, for for me, I think uh, I wasn't super excited about it. But neither was I also, like, down about it. I was just kind of in a wait-and-see mode. Um I get, the concerns I had were mainly to do with um, connections to, uh, like, you know, they were bringing in uh, Keaton's version of the character and, you know, J.K. Simmons. I was just wondering how it was going to connect to everything. Uh, that much wasn't clear. And also just, like, uh, tonally, I was I was worried about the tone. Um, I think I personally prefer that these characters be treated in a, a serious manner. Um, and it's fine if, if they were going for a, a bit of a more lighthearted thing, but, uh, I guess for me, I was just concerned it was going to be, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, marvelized. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't have wanted to, to, to see that, uh, especially since it's the first time that character is getting a, a full, uh, movie. Um, it's interesting, you know, Scott brought up Joker and I think, you know, the one difference I, I, I think I would point out between that and, um, this movie, at least in so far as in so much as we knew about it up to this point, is that that had a very clear plan, and it was it was a very specific artistic vision and tone to that film. So for all the for all the criticisms we anyone might have about you know the fact that it was made, and that's a whole separate conversation. But the 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 vision and the sort of maturity to the artistic vision, I think, was there, and I, I'm not so sure that was there for this film. Yeah, I was I was excited for the movie. I think it had a great cast. I mean, everybody I haven't seen that movie in the Heights, but everybody loves Leslie Grace and obviously J.K. Simmons and Michael Keaton and everybody loves Brandon Fraser. I've never heard anybody say a bad thing. So I was excited for the movie. I mean, we saw that picture come out with the costume and I wrote like a five things article just on that one picture. And then we never heard anything. We saw some spy photos and Never heard anything, never heard anything, nothing at Comic-Con, and then the bomb dropped the, the other day. So Now, in the defense of not hearing anything at Comic-Con, put this announcement aside one way or the other. Um, I mean, we hypothesized last week that maybe the reason we didn't hear a lot of other things outside of the immediate films that were coming out this year was because of uh, potentially DC fandom still continuing, but we still have yet to hear anything about that. That said... Um, so let's move into the big news. So the big news is that they're they're shelving the film, and the film is just never going to see the light of day. It basically was an issue, like I said earlier, where 
they did not want it to be on the streaming service because it it did they're just in general not doing a lot of um, original films for the streaming service. That is a huge shift from when the service originally launched. Um, probably not very well known, but before. Um, returning to the TBU podcast and, and having the TBU podcast return, I was actually doing a podcast called The Streaming Wars, which we followed all of the launch of the, a lot of the major streaming services at the time. And HBO Max, when they before they launched and during that first like six months they were around, there was a humongous focus on trying to make sure that there was original films for the service. They had a plan to have at least one original film every single month um, for the service that would ex- release exclusively on the service, not in excuse me, not in theaters. And the intent was to have low budget shows or, or not shows, uh, films, not low budget, but lower budget. So like we're talking like ten, twenty million dollars release on the service and the idea would be it would be a constant wave of content that would not only utilize the studio's capabilities of making films but also because as a whole prior to the pandemic theaters lower budget shows lower budget films i keep saying shows lower budget films like under the $50 million range, we're having a real hard time making any sort of money whatsoever. And it was mostly because they just couldn't market the films enough, knowing that they weren't going to potentially make a lot of money. So then they just weren't making it. And if you look at Disney, the top studio right now, if you look at what they're releasing in theaters, they release Marvel films, which make a boatload of money. They release animated films through Pixar and Disney Animation, which make a normally they make a boatload of money. They have Star Wars films that make a boatload of money. And then right now they have 20th Century Studios, which is producing a lot of their other content that they were already producing prior to being taken over by Disney. But that's the only place that's really making any content that is not blockbuster films in that sense. That's not to say that they're not having blockbuster films. They do, but the majority of the content that they're releasing through that studio is not humongous budget films like Marvel or Star Wars or Pixar or Disney Animation. So you can tell there's a problem. Uh, Universal has had success with a lot of Blumhouse productions where they're lower-budgeted uh, horror films and things like that, where they can make them very uh, on on a smaller budget, but still provide you know still do a good job of making a film, and then still be able to get a good return on their their money. Um, so the idea was Warner Brothers has a lot of studios, including New Line, and New Line was basically going to become the studio that was going to be producing a lot of the films for HBO Max. And it worked for a little bit of time. There was a bunch of films that not only were original from the studio, but they actually purchased uh, films from other studios, including Sony Pictures Classics, for the for the service to make sure that they did have a film every single month for that first time. Then, of course, 2021 was about to happen, and they moved their entire theatrical slate to HBO Max to be exclusive um, there as well as theaters eventually. But the idea was that all of their theatrical films would be releasing on HBO Max to basically bolster the slate of content that they had for HBO Max. Now, skip forward to 2022, uh, Warner Brothers, uh, which was previously owned by uh, AT&T, is sold essentially to Discovery. Discovery and Warner Brothers merge into a new company, and now it's called Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, And we've talked about this before, but there's a lot of changes that always goes with new owners or new people in charge. The old regime of people who were working within Warner Brothers are mostly gone. I mean, there's not very many of them left. Um, And the people who are in charge are the people who were in charge over at Discovery. So the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery is the same CEO who was in charge of Discovery prior, David Zaslov. And one of his big things that he had a problem with was the redundancies of HBO Max and Discovery Plus existing under the same company and and 
why not try to combine them? So one of the first things that happened was unscripted content at HBO Max that was original to HBO Max was basically cut and said, we're not going to do any of this. And that's because Discovery Plus already has a ton of content that they create that is unscripted. And they're very successful at doing it and do it, they do it very well. And there's a lot of profit when they do it. So that was cut. Um, they also talked about cutting live action family and children content um, because they just haven't had a lot of success. Most studios are not having a lot of success with that stuff uh, like they used to. So that stuff was cut as well. Um, but then the next thing on the chopping block was HBO Max Films. They're, the idea of HBO Max Films was kind of cut a lot before the twenty one, the 2021 slate came up. And when that came up, they kind of said, all right, we had this studio that was going to make films originally, or originals for HBO Max. We're not going to do that as much. Instead, what we're going to do is we're just going to brand them all the same. And that way, if we can, we will still release them in theaters, but they will still have content for HBO Max. Well, that hasn't, ha that hasn't really happened. There's been some films this year that have released on HBO Max, but not anywhere near the same that it was last year with the theatrical films, and I don't really think it was the same in 2020 either. So that, that happened. But one of the big things is when you immediately eliminate the idea of original films on a service, and then you have this film that is not big enough to compete against some of the big tentpole superhero films, what do you do with it? I mean, there's not there's not a whole lot of great solutions. I mean, most people would just say, let's get it out there some way or another and just figure out how to finish it off as cheaply as, not cheaply, but as under the strictest, we don't want to go over any more money than what we already were doing. Let's just stay within that range of what we were trying to do and get it released. That's what most places would do. However, there's a situation that's occurring, which is that in mid-August, there is a tax credit or tax break um, rule that will expire for Warner Brothers Discovery. And if they take projects and shelve them, they can write it off as a tax write-off before the middle of August. So this film happens to be one of the films that's going to fall into that, and it gives them the ability to kind of not get back because they're not getting back, but they're able to write off the production if they don't release the film. Same thing with, there was an animated Scoob uh, movie that it was a sequel to the film that released back in uh, 2020. Um, that, that film also um, has the ability to be written off. And when they're written off, it helps the debt that the company has overall start to try to even out. It's not a huge portion of it. It's not even a big chunk of it, but they can start to like maneuver things to chip away at the debt that the company has, which overall as a huge thing for the company, they need to be profitable. And the way to be profitable is to get rid of their debt. So knowing that, what do you think about the film just being outright shelved for tax purposes? I mean, you know, I guess... I could just fall back on uh, stock and Bloom from the producers and just say, you can make more money with the flop than with the hit. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's sad. I mean, I kind of wish they would just dump it in some form or, you know, it, when I read that, I was, I kept thinking about um, in the nineties, how uh, I can't remember what studio it was, but to keep the rights, to the fantastic four, they enlisted Roger Corman and the team to make fantastic four, like the movie super low budget and it was never intended to be released. And this just seems like, you know, granted it seems like they had an intention to release at some point. This is just, you know, that all over again. So I hope maybe some, um, obstinate or and brave employee just like dumps what's there on the internet and just, it just goes wild and all the board fans can, um, go ahead and re-edit it to their heart's content like they do with everything else. To me, it kind of reeked like, um, a new GM uh, comes, gets hired by a football team, and immediately wants to change the coach, change every cleans total house. That's what this kind of uh, was so much similar to me. It reeked like that to me. I think uh, the interesting. Uh, I was reading that um, they cannot release this ever, like in, in any sort of monetized form. So this is this is just done um, unless they literally give it away for free to people. 
this no one will ever see this film. But before I before I had actually read that, I was thinking about like this kind of like a crazy theory that if they were concerned that it wasn't good, what if they put this out to cancel it and were counting on people sort of doing a release the the whatever cut for this and then you know releasing it that way and then they can say well we didn't actually put out a bad film we you know gave the fans what they want kind of i thought that was maybe something but i i guess that's giving them too much credit for uh for thinking up there i don't think uh the executives are thinking that deeply about it i mean at the end of the day i think what it comes down to is this is just a purely financial decision um i think there's a lot of people unfortunately out there right now on social media who are trying to make it about a lot of other things uh, and, uh, you know, specifically tied to, you know, whatever culture wars are happening on the internet. But I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of shows and films that were canceled because of this uh, tax write down uh, thing. So I think it's just what it comes down to is, you know, these, um, these companies want to make money and this is the best way that they think they can do that. And I think the other thing too is, I hope I say this with with optimism and hope that perhaps they're starting to think that uh, to think about the fact that they're doing damage to their IPs. Like they cannot ha- they cannot afford to have huge flops with you know marquee characters like this. It's just not gonna it's not gonna work for them going forward. Yeah, I that that is that's my biggest concern with this is that in some ways I want to sit there and believe. Not so much about the cut thing. I mean, that is a that is a interesting theory there. But um, I was talking, I was explaining this entire situation to my wife earlier, and I was telling her, I was like, you know, I, in some ways, I almost wish that they're about to announce that there's going to be the head of DC Films or something like a Kevin Feige person who's about to come in, and they literally looked at their existing slate and they're trying to figure out how to make everything work. And it's interesting because when you look at what's coming, we've got Black Adam, which doesn't, I mean, it's obviously Black Adam is a character that's closely associated with Shazam, but that film, just based off of the trailer, you can tell it doesn't have anything to do with anything that we've already seen. It's basically a new character with new characters alongside it. It's not being connected into anything that we've already seen. You've got Shazam 2 coming out in December, which interestingly... In the trailer, they make a comment about Batman, and they show Ben Affleck's Batman. And I immediately thought to myself, okay, I mean, obviously it still takes place in that same universe that the first film took place, which had Batman as Ben Affleck. Okay, fine. Um, But then just, it was either last week or the week before, and my last couple weeks have been kind of a blur because of work, but... Within the last two weeks, there was a post by Jason Momoa showing that he was in studios with, or he was at WB Studios with Ben Affleck, and Ben Affleck is reprising his role as Bruce Wayne for the Aquaman film. And I immediately thought, hmm, that's odd. What happened to Ben Affleck was done with Batman? He said that multiple times, and I'm not saying he has to be done, but it seems like because of the shift of things, they're filming a scene with Ben Affleck as Batman for Aquaman because the Aquaman film is releasing before Flash, which originally wasn't the case. So it's like they're trying to make sure that everyone knows Ben Affleck is still Batman in these films prior to the Flash releasing and that having that shift of whatever it's going to be with Michael Keaton reappearing as Batman and all of that. There's something clearly going on there. Then you've got Flash. Whatever ends up happening with that film and that film uh, coming out, it's it's right now on the slate for June of next year. After that, the only other films that we have known, we know about, is that there's a sequel for Wonder Woman, but there's no date for that. There's a sequel for The Batman, but there's no date for that. The Joker is getting a sequel, but The Joker conveniently just got a date today. It's coming out in October of 2024. So those are the three DC films we have, and the only other film is the Blue Beetle film, which also was originally a film that was intended just like Batgirl to be a HBO Max exclusive. And that film, if I remember, if I, I haven't seen anything about it in a while, but I believe it's in the middle of filming right now, or maybe they wrapped up filming, but they were filming it and we haven't heard anything about Blue Beetle. So 
that's it. There was a Wonder Twins movie that got canceled earlier this year. Um, and we don't have anything else. There's no word on sequels for any of these other characters um, that have films or have had films. There's no additional Suicide Squad film. There's no additional Superman film that anybody's talked about. I mean, hopefully there is going to be something big coming up where they have a plan. But the only thing I can look at is what we know is coming because it's already been filmed and there's already dates for it. And when you look at that, it is clear that there is some sort of push to set it up to have Flash be this big event that changes things and allows them to do certain things. And that doesn't have anything to do with the only other films that we know are coming, which is the Wonder Woman film, which doesn't have to do anything if it takes place in the past. The Batman film and the Joker film, those those films don't take place in the same universe. So there's nothing else going on right now. And my hope is that they realized after the Flash film to have this Batgirl film, which has Michael Keaton as Batman, as cool as it might be for some people to have Michael Keaton reappear as Batman yet again, it would not propel them in the direction they're trying to go after that film releases if they're trying to like shift everything around, shake things up, and create like a new slate going forward. The Blue Beetle film could be safe just because it probably doesn't have anything connecting it to any of the existing characters that have already popped up in the film. This film, however, has Batman connections. It has uh, Commissioner Gordon being in another film. It's got... Um, it, it just it's going to have it Michael Keaton which we know is the character who was originally going to be in the Flash so like there's all these connections to previous films and i think this film is the one that if it was going to get canceled makes the most sense because it can't happen before the Flash but if they really are trying to like start fresh they can't start fresh with this film coming out in general thoughts i i mean that makes sense you know and i mean it's 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 one way to think about it. Like I definitely like, you know, I were that the logic, you know, that, you know, I, I feel like it's you know, sound and, you know, it could, it could open things up for them to do something new. You know, I don't really, it's hard to say much beyond that because you don't really know what anyone's thinking or what's happening, or they are still looking for that like point man to like take control or whoever they end up hiring for that position. Um, you know, the only thing I would hope is if, you know, they wanted a clean slate to move forward that, you know, maybe they take another look at, I know the Matt Reeves, the Batman universe is its own contained thing, but like there are ways to have things loosely connected or tethered that they don't have to cross over each other's movies or anything. You could just literally have, you know, maybe the same atmosphere, just kind of subtle references by other characters to films just to kind of tie them together. Because, you know, admittedly, you know, as a fan of comic books and, you know, I like, watching comic book movies I'm a little fatigued lately because of, you know, we get them all the time, but I really hate um, team up movies primarily. Like sometimes like, I mean, obviously I'm going to go to black Adam cause that's different or something, but I hate like, you know, for the MCU Spider-Man franchise, like shoving Tony Stark in there. Not my jam. I like Spider-Man by himself. I don't care about, you know, people hanging out with each other all the time. Just like, you know, I would hate it if the next Matt reads the Batman movie. He's like, Oh yeah, well he needs a friend. So Instead of putting Robin, we're gonna like throw Superman in there or something. So I don't know. Who knows? You, you just want awesome. you just you just want Robert Pattinson to say to somebody, "This is why Superman works alone." That's that's all you want. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny, like talking about like um, the slate and like all these movies. Like I was thinking today, back. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, like in the ramp up to Batman v Superman. There was like a special on the CW with Kevin Smith and Jeff Johns, and they talked. They announced all these movies: a cyborg movie, a Flash movie, all Green Lanterns coming, and just we've gotten none of that since. And there's been like one, two movies, three movies that have been quote unquote involved in this universe, and that was so many years ago. I was just thinking about today, thinking like, my God. No, I, I think yeah, that's that's funny. I mean, I, I think exactly what BJ is saying is. Um, proof i mean there's there's so much proof at this point that I, I i don't even want to assume that there is a cohesive vision from the executives at warner brothers like if you tell me that there there's a lot it's like if someone tells me there's logic to what they're doing i'd be like okay i mean i i don't know for sure and based on what i've seen in the last like 
six years or more even. I don't know that there is. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't know what they're doing. They, they, you know, they gave, they do need that position filled as like someone to sort of like run the universe, like a Kevin Feige, as you said. And they did give that position initially to Zack Snyder. And even though he like he failed, but they seem their conclusion that they seem to draw from that is that we don't need someone. But no, you do need someone. It just has to be the right person. And I think what, you know the idea that um, Scott brought up about having stuff that doesn't necessarily have to to cross over, but has like a similar tone. That's ideally what I would have wanted to see with like a Batgirl movie. Is like similar in tone to the Batman film. Doesn't necessarily have to like cross over. They don't have to appear in the same films. And and this is something that I have been like when I do review comics for the site. Uh, one of the things, like when I was reviewing Scott Snyder's stuff specifically, uh, especially towards the end of his run at, at DC Comics, I was I was critical of the fact that a lot of his stories, the main point of them seems to be just the connections to like what's coming next or connections to other stuff, rather than the actual story itself. And I feel right now the Warner Brothers DC films are kind of in that same they're they're doing they're committing that same mistake where it's like all these films are about oh it connect it connects to Michael Keaton Batman oh it, it's like multiverse it's this and that I mean you're not at that point yet you have to really build up these individual franchises one at a time and then you can bring that on you can bring that up later and when you do bring it up later it has to be as something extra it has to be icing on the cake it can't be like the whole cake itself like your your films still have to be good and and stand on their own. And then you have those connections on top of it. And right now it just doesn't seem like that's what they're doing. It feels like they're just, they just keep pushing off whatever they're trying to do to the future. Like instead of saying, this is what is what the plan is. It's just, Hey, um, we just released this film. We're there. There's still more to come, but we're not actually going to tell you the plan. We're just going to tell you there's still more to come. And I don't know, like I, another thing that I mentioned earlier when I was telling my wife, I was like, you know what I would love? I would love if there was already somebody who had taken over the position of the person who's in charge of the DC films. And they literally sat there and said, OK, so here's we kind of have an idea of what Matt Reeves is going to go with. His plan is that he's going to introduce Robin because it hasn't been done well. It separates himself from uh, the stuff that Chris Nolan did. We're going to do, we're going to do, you know, we're going to create the actual bat family and that's what we're going to do. And then they're like, but that doesn't work with the idea of this Batgirl film because this Batgirl film is not in the same universe and it's going to distract away from what we're trying to do with Matt Reeves stuff, which we're putting a lot of faith into because it's been, it's had success and it's gotten a lot of really critical praise. And then I'm thinking like, yeah, but the problem is that I'm just I'm giving them too much credit where there is no credit in any way, shape or form deserved. I mean, they really don't. Um, Zack Snyder had a vision and Warner Brothers was very much in on it because he had a vision of what he wanted to do after the events of what happened with Justice League and the fact that either he was asked or whether or not he was proposition to leave because of the family situation that he had and he left nothing was going to turn out well after that point but that was all the way back in 2017 that happened and we're still sitting here five years later almost five years later from or actually it's been more than five years from when he originally left and it'll be five years this november since justly came out and there still is no plan other than for years we had to listen to there was a Snyder Cut and that there was a better version of the film that didn't come out. Not about what the future is, but that's literally the narrative when it came to DC Films for the longest time was this is what it was. Now, given, yes, we got an amazing Batman film in the last five years as well. But outside of the Batman film, there hasn't been a lot of like great DC films. There has been some stuff that has come out that has worked and, and worked well. Um, and then some that it just feels like they're just trying to like figure out what they're doing and spending a boatload of money in the process of trying to do that. I mean, honestly, Wonder Woman 2 was not great. It really wasn't. Um, 
I enjoyed the Suicide Squad, but you know, it it was what it was. It was never intended to be like this massive blockbuster. I think Joker, to a degree, was probably the biggest surprise because of such a small budget that it had, and then it ended up making over a billion dollars. And I don't think anybody saw that happening given the type of film that it was, because films that are drama like that and not an action piece like most superhero films don't ever make that much money. So you have like these fleeting moments of success with the Joker or with the the Batman now this year. And then in between, you're just kind of like waiting to see what happens because it feels like they're just waiting to see whether or not, you know, something's going to work, you know, is Black Adam going to work and it's going to be successful enough for them to do a follow-up or to do more films, or is there already a plan? Marvel has the opportunity to sit there and release a film. They don't have to worry about a sequel for like five years because they have so many other characters that they're also doing films for. So they don't have to worry about waiting and to see whether or not, uh, you know, Shang-Chi is going to make a, a boatload of money and be very successful or be very well received and then decide to what to do with the character down the line because they can just say at the end of the film, Shang-Chi will return just like they've always done with James Bond and eventually it, it, the character will return. It doesn't matter if it's in his solo film. It doesn't matter if it's in a group setting in, you know, a future Avengers movie. It doesn't matter because they can gauge that because they have like six other movies that are coming out in the next 18 months that to take its place if the film isn't successful i mean there's there's very few films in the early days of marvel films you had iron man you had captain america you had thor who were releasing like regularly within a couple years of each other sequels now you have a film release and if it has a sequel it's not for like five years out i mean look at black panther it's got a sequel coming out this year the first one, I believe, came out in like January of 2018 or somewhere around there, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, it's been like four solid years. Put aside, you know, the 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 situations that happen with the main actor behind the film, There, that, that happens with other films as well. It's not just exclusive to that. There's other ones. Captain Marvel was the same thing. There's not a sequel coming until next year for a film that came out, I think, in that same year, 2018. So, I mean, it's... It's very interesting to see what's going on and you can't and, and the problem is it's constantly DC feels like they're being very reactionary to whatever's happening but they don't have a plan in the meantime to fill the gap of what's happening to be able to be reactionary. It's just how is this film going to do? We're not planning anything until we see how this does. And you could chalk it up to, you know, the corporate structure of the company changing from Warner Brothers to AT&T to now Warner Brothers Discovery, but I don't think that's really the explanation. I mean, there's there throughout the three companies changes, there has been some solid people who have been in the midst of the studio to like propel things in a direction that would be successful one way or the other. And it just hasn't happened. And now it feels like the only real solution is to get somebody to really like be the head of the DC Films franchise and guide them where they need to go. But honestly, at least how things have panned out over the last couple of years, I don't know that they're going to find somebody that's going to work the way Kevin Feige works at Marvel. I just don't see that. I mean, there's very few people who have not only like that are fans of a franchise to like really understand what's happening, but also follow what's going on with like society as a whole makes you know make moves to make sense with how things are changing with the times and things like that um if you guys could think of a situation where things could get better what would the situation be i don't know because like first i was going to jump back and respond i do think you know the the changing of the hands a lot really does have an impact because you have all these executives who are in charge of those decisions who are more focused on hitting their metrics or right deciding the company to what you know they want before they change hands. You know, I mean we've had like Jeff Johns as like a creative what, director or whatever he was, but I don't know, like, you know, I like him as a writer. I think he's a wonderful creator, but I don't see him as like an executive that could really you know move mountains or, you know, have that kind of impact when you have a company where the top is literally just kind of more interested in short-term gains and getting in and getting out. I don't know. Yeah, not to uh, bring up another sports reference, but, like, you know when a team is well-run, like, from they have a good owner, good GM, good coach, good players, 
all, all that. In DC, it's like when you change every three years, you turn into not to criticize any uh, our Cleveland fan base, but you turn into the Browns, basically where you're kind of a mess. Like every three years, you're rebuilding every three years, and that's what DC's kind of turned into. Where I would just I would just want them to just be patient. Like don't react to if you're if you're move like with Batman v Superman. Like that wasn't received as they thought they would. So then they kind of panicked and kind of chopped up uh, the first Suicide Squad movie, and then Justice League was a totally different tone than um, Batman v Superman. So I would just want them to just put out a good movie, put out another good movie, and just keep stacking good movies, and we'll get to a team movie at some point. I have to say, you can clearly tell that BJ is very anxious about uh, football season coming up, so... I I trust in Belichick. I know put <laughs> Belichick in charge of DC films. We'll be we'll be back on top. I I think that should be the the title of the episode. Warner Brothers is the Cleveland Browns. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Cleveland. But no, I mean you know um, I think it is true uh, that transition and all these you know mergers and stuff has an impact on you know perhaps the delay in addressing some of these issues. But I also think it's true that these issues have been going on like even before this was happening. And this is one of the reasons why I said this is kind of connected to that, that Snyder article that we're going to discuss at some point. Because as I was reading that, and I'm not going to get too far into that right now, but as I was reading that, I was thinking, these problems have been going on forever and they run very deep. You know, as BJ was saying, it's different levels of the, of the company and it, it just goes right down from the top all the way right down. And I, like I don't know until they they bring someone in who can you know really change the culture first and then actually make decisive, uh, well thought out decisions. It's not going to change. I mean, what I would do personally is I would like s- stick with what works. I would go all in on Matt Reeves, and I'm probably biased in saying this because I enjoyed the film. But like I'd go all in on Matt Reeves, uh, the Batman universe. I would stick with the individual franchises that have worked. So, you know, even though Wonder Woman 2 was terrible, uh, the first one was decent. So I think it probably deserves a chance at a sequel. Aquaman 1 was uh, a decent film, uh, commercially successful. Um, so I think, you know, they should continue to make um, movies with Aquaman in that franchise. But then, you know, I was just reading today that Michael Keaton was, Michael Keaton's back. Batman was appearing in Aquaman 2. I have no idea why they would want to do that. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I mean, I, and yeah, I just think they should continue to, to stick with what works, focus on individual franchises, and then later on, once you've built up some success and some goodwill, and that goodwill is very important, because right now, D, the, the DC brand, and it's really Warner Brothers, but, you know, the way people think about it is the DC brand is garbage. Um, and it hurts to say because, you know, we're all a fan. Like, I'm a huge fan. You guys are all huge fans of this. But it is garbage with the, the general audience right now. Um, that's just that there's no way around that. And and they really need to hit on their next movies to change that, to, to turn that around. Otherwise, I don't, I don't see how they're going to do it. I agree. And I think the the big problem is that it seems like there 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 has always been you know, there was the comment made about how, you know, it, 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 well, Scott, you said it after I made the comment about how, you know, you, there has to be some sort of vision between the companies, but the, there, there should have been somebody to sit there and say, Hey, you know, this is our plan for whatever we're trying to do from the very beginning between all of these company transitions. And the one thing that I always find interesting is whenever I'm reading articles, Mostly it's business articles, but it's like entertainment business articles about what's going on when companies merge with other companies or companies uh, buy out other companies. There's always that there's always that idea that there's going to be a bunch of layoffs. And it's true. That's going to happen, especially if there's redundancies within the companies that, that merge. However, the one thing that's always really strange is that everyone always complains about whoever's in charge at the time. I remember reporting stuff for that other podcast that I was doing at the time when AT&T took over uh, Warner Brothers and everybody was like, oh, it's so much worse because there's these people who they just run a phone company. They don't have any idea how media works. They don't have any idea how any of this stuff works. This is so horrible because they don't have any idea. They're just they're just getting rid of things that have been important to us for a very long period of time. 
And then you fast forward to now, and I, I was reading an article earlier talking about uh, the earnings call for Warner Brothers Discoveries tomorrow, and there's some potentially some big news related to the future of HBO Max and Discovery Plus and that. But one of the things that a lot of people are assuming is going to happen is a, a huge round of layoffs between the two companies to, again, reduce that debt. And one of the things that I keep reading is sources within the company say that it was so much easier working for AT&T because AT&T kind of stayed out of everything because they didn't have any idea how a media company worked. And I'm like, it's just it doesn't matter who's in charge. There's always going to be changes, but it's it it's it matters with the changes are for the better for the longevity of the company as a whole. You know, I understand that it's not a great situation for people to get laid off from their jobs and people to not have a job or, you know, have a job one day and the next day they don't because somebody decided it was a good idea to merge two companies together. I, I, I can, I can understand that people losing jobs is not a good thing. However, for the longevity of the company, if it matters to make sure that the company has a good future, then then unfortunately, that's just what has to happen. And I know that sounds very callous when I say that, but that's just what happens. I mean, that that is the that's the na- you know the nature of business. There's new entertainment companies that have sprouted up in the last twenty years that didn't exist a hundred years ago, like Disney or Warner Brothers or Universal. And you know, there's places where people could potentially get other jobs. That aside, I think that my problem is I just hope that whatever ends up happening with and of course, the the thing that's super annoying is one of the articles I read was like, well, you know, maybe the idea is that Discovery, they play favorites with their own streaming service. They use the HBO content to bolster their own service so that eventually down the line, they could always sell Warner Brothers off to somebody. And I'm like, really? We're not even like six months out from Discovery having Warner Brothers in their same company. And there's already people talking about, well, they could sell them yet again. And I'm just like... I understand that that could happen, but that is annoying to constantly have, you know, like the idea of someone trying to create great content for a company and then to be under that idea that, hey, well, we're only here for a short amount of time. We might not be here in like, you know, three more years because that keeps happening. That's just ridiculous. And then fortunately, I... I, I <laughs> I thought that this merger could be good because it was a media company and a media company, and we'll see what ends up, how everything pans out, but I I really hope that they get their ducks in a row and figure out what to do to make the franchise successful, because when you look across the aisle and you see Marvel and you see how well Marvel is doing, you can see that it's entirely possible. It might take a while to get there. It might take some time for them to figure out how to do it, but you know it's possible. And when you're a fan of the DC Universe and Batman, um, and you're looking over and you're seeing Marvel like just churn movie after movie after movie. I mean, at San Diego Comic-Con, they announced like 12 new films and a bunch of new TV shows, and I'm sitting here thinking, I've got a Batman sequel coming out in sometime in the hopefully not-so-distant future. I've got well, at the time it was there was a Batgirl film coming out, um, and then we have this ridiculous Gotham Knights television show, and that's the extent of what we have for for Batman content coming forward. Batman, who is arguably the best superhero, um, and I know people compare Spider Man, but like Spider Man is kind of handcuffed right now because of Sony, so there's only so much that Disney can do with Spider Man. It's like the prime opportunity to do to make Batman like propel him, and it just it just feels like they're not doing everything they can for the character, but also the greater universe, which is great in its own way, but it keeps the character of Batman very contained. It goes back to those horrible rumors of like, well, maybe they're going to sell off Batman to Marvel or something like that. And I don't want that to, of course, happen. But those are some ridiculous rumors. But when you see the success and you're like, well, at least they have an idea of what they're doing over there. I don't want it to happen. I don't think it'll ever happen. But it's just... Yeah. The good news is the film rights to Batman are owned by a singular entity. Yes, true. A person, if you will. So there's that. Um, but I don't know. It's it's hard to say because, like, the thing that, like, I go back and forth on is, like, you know, the idea of them being more like Marvel with, like, one creative person is nice in theory. But the thing that worries me, and I've been reading a lot of Ethan Hawke interviews lately, so that's where this is going. 
because um, I really like the Black Phone uh, movie. But, you know, he was talking about working at Marvel and, like, his pet project that's on HBO Max now uh, about Paul Newman. And, you know, this idea of as someone who's creative and, and wants to explore his art and grow and this and that, you know, working at Marvel is nice for the paycheck, you know, and they're very kind to their actors, but they are horrible to their directors and they don't like any sort of input from people with visions. And it's just interesting because, you know, we just had the Batman and Matt Reeves, you know, tells the exact opposite tale in the interviews, you know, we've talked about in the past. And, you know, that worries me because, you know, Warner Brothers, like, the one thing I actually like about HBO Max over any other streaming platform is it is a home, it is a place for movie lovers. It is a place with people with visions and ideas and there's all sorts of different creative outputs and thoughts and things to really chew on and there's really not that you know on netflix or disney plus necessarily so it's just i don't know it's i don't know where to land because i do want a unified vision but i also want to have kooky i I want more like matt reeves and todd phillips and you know i want more of those people playing around with their canvases and just going nuts you know i you know and i don't think i'll ever see that at marvel what i really want marvel to do is hire david lynch to make a hulk movie but that'll never happen so. Yeah, you know, um, I don't. I don't think it has to be either or. To be honest, because, like, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. By the way, like, I, that's one of the reasons I, I so like enjoy a lot of the DC films so much. And by a lot, I mean the Nolan trilogy and the Batman movies because they're it's it's a real filmmaker making an like a, a movie that I as a grown man can go and watch and still feel like somewhat like stimulated by. And at the same time, it's something that, you know, kids can also watch at, you know, at the same time. Um, I, I agree. Like there are criticisms with, with Disney, uh, specifically the ones that you mentioned, like they're not great to their directors. They're also apparently not great to their VFX artists, uh, or the, the companies they have, they hire to do that. Um, but the one thing that I think, we can give them credit for at Disney is uh, they don't skip steps. And I think that's one of the things the, the Warner, the Warner brothers sort of brain trust has been guilty of. They're trying to skip steps. They're not skipping steps and they, they recognize their mistakes and they adapt really quickly. Uh, the example that I'm thinking of right now is star Wars. Um, the, the sequel trilogy commercially kind of successful, um, but generated a lot of criticism they kind of pivoted away from that I, like i i follow a lot of the the star wars uh, material and I, I sort of noticed that a lot of their tv show comics novels games etc none of that's really taking place in that sequel trilogy era they're going back to the eras that are are more popular with people and they're putting out content that they think people will love now a lot of it is still controversial and i think part of that is because Unfortunately, with the Star Wars fan base, you will never please everyone now. That's just that's just what it is. Um, but I, I do think at least it shows a willingness on the part of their executives to sort of adapt and and go in a direction where there is where they do see success. And I, I'm just not seeing that for from Warner Brothers at all. Should um, should we be concerned about the Matt Reeves uh, Penguin series and like Peacemaker and Titans and things like that? Do you guys have any concerns about that? So I would say if it ties to a film, probably not. Titans, I feel like, could be on the chopping block. Yeah. Um, but then again, it's also they're doing like season four right now. So, I mean, like, I don't know how long they were planning on doing in the first place. Um, but I think when it's tied to like Peacemaker, I think – it, that's a hard one because like I enjoyed the series and I know that they did not spend an insane amount of money making the series either. Like it was done very reasonably. So it's not like it cost a bunch of money. It was successful enough where they announced it was getting a sequel like immediately as the first season wrapped. So it wasn't like it was, you know, a hit after the fact. It was a hit during it because they were able to announce it was getting a second season right away. Um, the Matt Reeves thing I think is completely safe. Well, you know, when it sees the light of day is the thing that concerns me because I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we know could be, you know, is in the works, but there's such a delay on everything and there's nothing to really fill in the gap. So, like, 
as a DC fan, you really have to just kind of like bide your time and you kind of always have to just wait for the content that you enjoy. You know, with Marvel, you know, there's no there's no lack of content when it comes to it. If you don't like a show, you don't have to watch a show. Uh, you know, I'm, I watch, I, I typically see most Marvel films, maybe not in theaters, but at least when they come out on Disney Plus, I watch a lot of the shows. But if a certain show comes out and I watch the trailer, I'm like, yeah, that's not show. That show's not for me. I'm not. I don't feel bad not watching it. But I can't say the same thing about DC. If I choose not to watch something, if I choose not to watch the CW shows, and I know there's like hardly any left, but if I choose to not watch the CW shows, there's not a whole lot of other content to like fill that desire for the characters that you're you're looking for. I mean, put aside the fact that some of these films have been delayed because of the pandemic. There, it, it's not like there's a plethora of, of stuff that we know about. I mean, there's a plethora of movies that have been kind of clumped together that weren't previously clumped together. But I don't know. I, I, I feel like as a whole, the HBO Max shows that are tied to an existing property are probably fine. Titans is probably gone. Harley Quinn, as long as it actually is getting significant views it's probably fine too i know animation can be expensive can it that can't be like animation animation can be sometimes as expensive as like a live action like honestly i would guess that peacemaker is probably just as expensive as making the harley quinn animated series and it's not because i mean they have a plethora of of big you know comedian actors that are attached to that series that's you know like outside of a couple of characters in peacemaker everybody's you know like relatively fresh when it comes to being in the industry so it's not like they've got to pay hefty paychecks to a lot of people i mean john cena is big but he's not big enough where he's you know making like 20 million dollars to do that show or something like that so you know i would say those shows are probably on the same budget wise as what whatever they are um but i would say that like anything else I mean, I I was reading an article earlier about some of the other shows that have recently been canceled or shelved. Not shelved, but just like they're not doing a second season or a third season or whatever. And it's interesting because some of those shows, I could see why they would cancel them. Like some of them, I remember watching a trailer and thinking, yeah, I would watch that. But I never actually did. And I just don't have the time. And there's certain shows like House of Dragons, the Game of Thrones prequel that's coming out later this month. You know, that show... People are going to watch that show because it is part of the Game of Thrones. Like, you know, am I going to watch... Um, there was a show called Made for Love. It was it had a season one. It got a season two pickup, but the season two has now been canceled. It was one of the shows. The The premise of the show was this guy has a robot who is, is his wife, and he controls it. She figures it out. and Or maybe it's not a robot. Maybe it's like he has some ability... Go ahead. Okay, what is it? I, yeah, I, I actually really liked it. It's based off a book, but basically he's he's basically the head of Google in their universe. It's called Google. And he, to like create a better relationship with his wife, he, he inserts a chip into her brain where he can experience the world that she does like at his command. And so it's basically the first season of the show, the premise is she's on the run and she's got this chip in her head and she's trying to get back at her over possessive, you know, ex-husband, you know, and he's tracking her down and it's like got a really weird sense of humor. Kind of reminds me of like RoboCop or like Starship Troopers sense of humor. But, you know, that's that's kind of the vibe. It's just it's it's more of like a, a commentary on, you know, possessive abusive relationships. And Ray Romano's in there, too. and He's great. And season two is not as good as season one, but it's had some really interesting stuff it kind of made me sad when they canceled it yeah so obviously i was wrong there it was it got picked up for a season three but then that season three got canceled but the idea is like i saw the trailer and i was like that actually looks kind of cool but i just don't have time to do it but are you going to say the same thing about when the penguin series comes out with colin farrell no i'm obviously going to you know check that out immediately as it's as it's releasing am i going to say the same thing about house of dragons no i'm going to watch that immediately and it just it proves the point of what 
what's happening over at Disney. When Disney releases something and it's part of one of the big franchises, a new Star Wars show, it's a new Marvel show, those are going to get watched. People make time to watch those, those that content. The other content, especially the stuff that like Netflix churns out on a regular basis. I mean, they've got a new series and or a new film releasing every single week. And obviously they have more than that, but they have stuff and it's just like, you can tell they're just throwing content out there to get it out there, but it's not necessarily something that people are making time to go see. And that I think is the problem when it comes to the difference between what's going on right here is, you know, if the quality of the show and the, the, the writing of the show is something where it's going to get a lot of people talking, a lot of people are going to check it out. If it's not, and honestly, is probably on the ch- ch- you know the chopping block. So, all right. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Um, we've gone much longer than some of our previous episodes, but obviously that's because this topic is very in depth. Now, I will say, I am going to be out of town next week, so we won't have a a, a full on episode with all 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 of us on the show. But next week, actually, Scott has an interview with uh, Michael Usling. You want to give him a preview of what they can expect? Um, sure. So it's, we're going to talk about, you know, his, well, first we're going to talk about Comic-Con, and then we talk about um, The Boy Who Loved Batman, his memoir, we talk a little bit about his history, you know, buying the Batman franchise at a really young age. Um, I do ask him what's on his poll list, (laughs) Um, and just, you know, kind of comics and Batman in general, we go from, you know, like, a little, I I try not to retread on a lot of things he said a lot, or in his... Or, or done interviews on him before, you know, with his memoir, but, you know, a little bit about his history and also just, you know, his feelings on, you know, kind of the greater Batman universe, Batman as a character, comic books, and, you know, comic book films as a medium and how that's kind of evolved, you know, from the early days. All right, so that is what you can expect next week. Um, if, like I said, we don't have any other important news pop up between now and the next, essentially, two weeks, then we will get back to that Snyder controversy and we will be talking about that. Um, That is what you can expect in two weeks as long as nothing else pops up. However, I will say, um, as you're listening to this, uh, there's bound to be some sort of updates related to this situation because of the Warner Brothers Discovery earnings call, which is going to shed some light on the future of probably HBO Max and Discovery Plus. And if not at that immediate point, then probably in the very near future where they may announce at least what their plans are or when they're planning to announce whatever they're doing because I can't see them going another quarter without saying what they're going to do in general. Um, layoffs are probably uh, a certainty when it comes to the company because August was kind of that time frame that a lot of layoffs were going to be happening that conveniently uh, or unconveniently, I guess, for the people who are obviously getting laid off happened prior to the holidays in August just happens to be that month that a lot of people try to, the the companies try to do that so that people are not, not losing their jobs during the holiday season. So unfortunately that's probably right around the corner. So I encourage you, I will, if there is any big updates, I will post them in the show notes. Um, and then that way you guys can check out the articles associated with the big updates that have happened since we record this episode. But outside of that, that's going to be everything for this episode. If you are interested in checking out all kinds of news, original content, or other podcasts related to the Batman universe, be sure to check out our website where we have all kinds of content related to movies, television, video games, merchandise, comics, and everything else related to the Bat fandom. You can find us on social media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We have a Discord. We're also on YouTube. You can check out all of our social links at the top of the page over at our website, thebatmanuniverse.net. If you are interested in sending us an email or leaving comments wherever you are listening to this podcast, uh, you can send us an email directly at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Um, you can send us questions, comments, concerns, suggestions of things you'd like us to talk about or thoughts about what you think about this entire situation with Batgirl. Um, we always are reading them um, and, and we will engage in conversation if, if uh, it's something that you guys want to talk about. So uh, you can also obviously chat with us over on our Discord. As I mentioned, the link is on the site. With all that being said, for BJ, Otto, Scott, and myself, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the TBU Podcast. We will see you next time.